This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans. Where you can now go and taste the taste of fall in their deli. They have a fantastic deli section with a lot of different prepared meals. Mm-hmm. But you'll find parsnips and carrots, pumpkin salad, sweet potato, bacon and feta salad, cheesy cauliflower, and hearty winter grain, to name a few. Plus, the uh, Taste of Thanksgiving is happening on November 4th. It's 11 to 4 o'clock. You join them for an afternoon of holiday sampling, including their complete turkey dinner, wine, beer, desserts, and more. And this is happening at all three locations, Chris. And I got to tell you, we did Thanksgiving via Zupans last year. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, everything, all the prepared food is fantastic, mm-hmm. and all the side dishes are great. Also, you need to use Zupans as your wine source. They have Cellar Z. They have wine cellars in the basement of both Burnside and the Lake Grove Zupans. They house a great collection of rare and large-format wines and are available for private dining events, perfect for the upcoming holiday season. So you can check out more about availability at Zupans.com. I happened to find a wine that we tasted in Italy, in Tuscany, Badia Colto Buono Chianti Classico, the other day. We weren't told it was at Zupans from those people, but it was there. But it was there. Three locations, Burnside, Lake Grove, and McAdam, and of course, always at Zupans.com. All right, it's time once again for a classic Right at the Fork episode. This is where we look into the archives and highlight an episode that we think is important for one reason or another. They're all important, right? But uh, in this case, episode 53, and I'll tell you why we chose this episode in just a minute. But first, classic episodes of Right at the Fork are made possible by Ristretto Roasters. Five great Portland locations, perfect coffee to enjoy while you enjoy this episode, going back to June of 2015, and Carlo La Magna who was the newish chef at Clyde Common at the time. Now it's, what, over two years later. Now Carlo is setting out to bring a new restaurant to Portland. He's calling it Magna. It's a Filipino restaurant. I think he even talks a little bit about his idea for it in this episode. He just started a Kickstarter. It launched uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. And you can find a link to that Kickstarter right now in the show notes. We encourage you to do that. He says it's a passion project that uh, he's bringing to life dedicating it to his father's memory, as well as the amazing food that he learned to make while he was living in the Philippines. So here it is, episode 53 from June of 2015, Carlo La Magna from Clyde Common and soon-to-be Magna. How's that feel? Oh, it feels fantastic. You look great in this season. <laughs> You're looking good. What'd you do this weekend? Oh, man. Got into some trouble. What kind of trouble? <laughs> no, I'm not. No trouble at all, man. I just uh, just worked Saturday. I lost my voice, so I had to I had to work the line. I had to let one of the cooks expedite, and uh, I was like, man, I, I just can't I can't talk. Super busy. Is, Got, was it from working that you lost your voice? You know, I, <laughs> are you a loud guy in the kitchen? No, what, what's you know, going on back there. Definitely not a, not a yeller. Definitely not a yeller. No, it was it was a little crazy. That Saturday was one of those days where like everything came together. Uh, we had a Tillamook dinner. We did uh, we did an avocado dinner at the same time, plus the Starlight Parade, as you guys know, came through. It so. was pretty busy over there. Yeah, we were cranking words. for a little bit. Then it died out just because that parade it blocked everything off. But, oh, that's um, right. Yeah, my son was telling me that if if he had parked in the parking garage, he wouldn't have gotten out. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. They well, weren't letting anybody out. Well, we parked in the parking garage, and I, you know, my wife came in for dinner with with her two cousins, so we just ended up chilling out. We walked around, went to uh, to uh, Bailey's, I think, Bailey's Tap Room, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a little bar? Yeah. So just hung out there until, until everything died out. Had a couple beers, and then we bounced. You got a nice neighborhood. So do you do you hang hang out a lot in the neighborhood um, after work? Like in, in Clyde neighborhood or my yeah, neighborhood? Clyde, well, where's your neighborhood? We're, we're about some town. You don't need to give the address. I don't know. I, I live in uh, Cully, Northeast, mm-hmm. 47th, Prescott. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's a nice, na- that's a great neighborhood. Yeah, too. it's a great neighborhood. But uh, but yeah, I hang out in both. You know, uh, out in Clyde after work, usually catch a drink at Momo's or Kelly's. Nothing too crazy. But uh, most of the time I hit up, I'm always so hungry after work. So we go to Noroneco, which is right down the street, you know. So it's not too bad. That's a that's a great spot, but it hasn't been there long. No, it hasn't. It, it's but it's convenient because it's open late. Night? How late do they open? Ah, it's like two a.m. Really? Yeah, it's one of the few places you can get a good bowl of ramen, some fantastic fried chicken at like I, two in the morning. I would imagine you're going to find a few chefs there, right? You know, there every chef in town that I know of. The thing that I've certainly noticed, because I always ask, you know, what they like and where they. Asian is always top of the list for everybody. Yeah, you know. And, and ramen and, uh, and pho. It's, well, yeah, for sure. There's just something comforting about it. It's, it's. I don't know, it's just one of those things where it's like nothing like slurping a bowl of noodles. I don't know, after work, if that makes sense. Pizza or noodles. Well, I'm wondering if it's because you're you're putting together such beautiful dishes and and everything takes such thought and it's just a way to let loose and relax. Yeah, it's, it's okay. it, for sure. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, a lot of people ask me, oh, so what do you like to eat for dinner? Or like, when do you go out to eat? It's like, love a burger. <laughs> I love pizza. It's, you know, it's a, the simple stuff. You know, Asian food, like home, home-cooked, home uh, like pho, ramen, all that fun stuff. But, you know, people are like, oh, you don't eat, or they're so disappointed. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> do, do you uh, do you cook a lot at home? So you, got, you have... Uh, one son? Yeah, I actually have two sons. Two one, sons, yeah, I'm sorry. I have two sons, but uh, the, the teenager lives out in California with his mom, and then my uh, my little one, two-and-a-half-year-old, Rishi, lives at home with us. But, yeah, I do I do cook quite a bit at home. So that keeps you busy. Yeah, hence why I was a few minutes late today. <laughs> well, we didn't we didn't even notice. Uh, but, you know, that's one thing I noticed. I, I'm a, I like to consider myself a very punctual person. As soon as I had kids... It Out took me a while to get over it, <laughs> but it was really challenging for me because I couldn't. I didn't have. I no longer had control. Yeah, it over was, my own time. Yeah, and so I'd be start being late, and I think, yeah. oh my god, this is why people are late. And then, <laughs> and then I kind of figured out how to still be on time. Yeah, but, you know, you know, start managing things a little bit better. I'm still, I guess, getting used to it. I don't know. Again, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, being you know. Having a kid just it, it changes the game. It changes everything because you try to figure things out. I mean, back in the day, as as before, before Rishi, even before my wife and I got married, uh, you know, I'm out late. I work hard. I, w- I would work 14 to 16 hours without bed and an eyelash, you know, and go to town on 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 whatever I needed to do, and and then some. But in now, Chicago too, which yeah. is a pretty cool place to do that. Yeah, it's a crazy city to do it in, but you know, it, it's a big city and and it pushes you to do that. You know, you have to be better than that next kid. That's down the line, you know. You just have to keep proving yourself. But then, then you know, the kiddo came along, and it was like, you know what? Priorities shift a little bit. I'm well, like, then now you're driven a little more because, yeah. with, and the conundrum is, you'd like to spend a little more time with your kid, but you've got to do things 
that require you not spending time. Exactly. I mean, it becomes that kind of that split. And and actually, what I've been figuring out is I'm making it better for myself to to figure these things out. You know, taking taking time off or being better about about hey, I know that I could do a lot in a short shorter period of time than me coming in for like a 13, 14 hour shift. You know, I know that I can achieve a lot and get a lot done within an eight hour period. Not saying that I work eight hours. I wish I did, but but you're you know. trying to accomplish that. Yeah, or at least that's your, the that's your goal. So yeah. you can So and you had Rishi while you were in Chicago, right? Yeah, Rishi was Rishi was born in, in Chicago to January eleventh, two thousand and thirteen. It's always good to remember yeah. the birthdays of things. Yeah, I think so. And your wife. Though, <laughs> especially your wife. You got and that anniversary. <laughs> How long have you been married now? Uh gosh. <clears throat> Since uh our anniversary is coming up. Yeah, so it's been about three years now. Three Three years, yeah. Very good. My anniversary is coming up this Tuesday. So you came out to Portland <laughs> with, and oh, uh, happy anniversary! Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you came out to Portland uh, with a little responsibility. What brought What brought you out to Portland? You know, um, you know, we, we, while we were in Chicago, uh, my wife and I kind of having after having Rishi, uh, we just kind of had this change of wanted to change the pace a little bit. Chicago's a bustling city. It's no New York by any means, but. It doesn't have to be. It's still a really busy city, and uh, and we just wanted to look 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 for a change because we wanted our kid to play outside. You know, growing up in in Michigan, you know, I always had the opportunity to go outside, have a backyard, do all this fun stuff. You know, but in Chicago, you're like you're on a three four walk up, and and you're just like, oh well, shit. What are, what are we gonna do? You know, right? And then you've got winters. Yeah, and you got you got severe winters that you're dealing with. So we just wanted to change of pace, and uh, we came out to visit Portland. Uh, Gosh, in two thousand and twelve, this is right before. And we what prompted well. the visit was it? Uh, was it we had friends here. Chefs? Okay. Yeah, we we had friends here, and they they were like, "Come check out Portland." Uh, you know, I got a buddy that works over at Olympia Provisions, and you know, another. Well, you friend got of it mine's. down. I can't yet say Olympia right off the bat. Olympic comes off my tongue. You know, yeah, I was forced to. <laughs> Olympic is still sounds. Better. Oh yeah, well that's right. You work with Nate. <laughs> yeah. You have to. Well, that was, that was the whole thing. It was it was one of those things where um, we came to visit, we fell in love, and then we set a plan. We we're like two years. From now, let's move out to Portland. And then actually it kind of got expedited. During that time that I came out to visit Portland, I was working at a place called Perennial Verant uh, with Paul Verant. And, and I, that's, a, by the way, I did a little pre-interview research, which oh might yeah. surprise some people. <laughs> but that is a, that's a beautiful restaurant. And what struck me about it is it looked like it had some communal yeah, it does. Uh, it did. dining, yeah. but it's just... The look of it has a completely different vibe than Clyde Comet. Yeah, you, I mean, it's, you could tell, it's, right? You know, it's people are going to be better dressed there. They're not going to walk into Clyde yeah. Comet. They're not yeah. going to walk in the way they walk into Clyde Comet. Yeah, uh, for the most part. For the most part, I've yeah. actually seen some very well dressed people at Clyde Comet. They must have come from uh, fancy. It couldn't pants have been Widen Kennedy, but it was probably the people who <laughs> deal with Widen Kennedy. Yeah, I'm sure. It, <laughs> I'm sure something along the other. But um, um but yeah, I mean, at Perennial Verand, it's so funny. I tell people it's like almost a mirror image of Clyde. I, I walked out of Perennial and going to Clyde, it was like walking back into a very similar style restaurant because you have the hotel, you have the catering, you have, you know, all the all the same facets. Um but yeah, uh after after Perennial, during that time of my visit, um, we decided that we need to save money. So I took a job at a steakhouse the following year. Um it all happened within a whirlwind. Like I had it, it just, you know, one thing after the other. But uh, at the steakhouse, you know, at first I was like gung ho. I was like, I'm gonna change everything. I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna follow the same same principles that I did at Perennial under Paul. 
farm to table, this and that, everything. And I did. I, first couple months, I pushed everything. I I switched all the produce over to 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 at least eighty five percent farmers market. I started preserving things. I I took uh, asparagus, which, which is a big thing at perennial, correct? Yeah, preserving? a huge, huge thing. That's, yeah, and you don't need to do that as much out here. Uh, no, but it's still fun. You know, I, I don't do it as much as I, I would like. But, but it's, it's necessary great. there because of the, I mean, pretty exactly. much the farming community has to shut down for a lot of the year <laughs> exactly. so in order to get something. Yeah, and, and that's and that's kind of the where it, where it came from. And now that just became part of the way that I cook, you know, kind of the flavors, the, the way you get used to a certain thing. You know, it's so funny. I, I make fun of myself, and this is not drug-related at all, but I call it weak. We'll you get know, to the drug-related yeah. stuff in a minute. In a minute. No, but uh, we call ourselves acid junkies. Anybody who kind of worked under Paul Veron would consider themselves, you know, quote-unquote acid junkies because the the way that he uses acids in, in his cooking, like vinegars and lemon juices, citrus juices, any type of acid, is very unique because of, of, of his preserving style. You know, the, those vinegars gain so much different flavors, and he uses that, and, and it pops. It helps it pop and makes it pop. So, yeah, we all make fun of ourselves. Is that what people would find at Clyde Common now, that popping vinegar, yeah, popping, popping you know, acids? Yeah, you'll, you'll, see, you'll see a lot of that, you know, in the food as well. But um, just like any other, other any other young chef, like I'm the new kid on the block, so I'm still trying to You've been a, there a year, though. You're no yeah. longer. You, at some point, you got to stop calling yourself new. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that point someday. I but, think um, after I was here two years, I stopped thinking of myself as, as well, new. Well, there you go. I still got I still got a couple months. You got a little while. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, over at Clyde, it's 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 a lot of great food that's influenced by Paul. But at the same time, still trying to find my own voice. You know, heavy on the Filipino influence. I've been throwing that in there. Um, exploring more Asian flavors, which I never really did over at Perennial, just because uh, the way that his philosophy worked was it was very um, farm to, like you know whatever farm to till whatever crap you want to call that, but. He was very focused on on the seasonality of things and also the Midwest. So we rarely ever sourced anything outside of the Midwest, which made it a little different, you know, to try to try to cook things like your fish. You're kind of limited, you know, your 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 vegetable, you're limited on your on your time span of that all. So it's interesting to, to cook that way. And I learned a lot by working with what you have. And then and we broke away from that. Now I'm just kind of. Now I'm able to now do the same thing. Now you're a candy store, though, because yeah. I think you've got a lot more to work with. Oh, yeah, in the Pac right? Northwest. It's phenomenal. Like, the, the produce, the, you know, it's it's uh, taking a low-gang yusu for the seasons. Um, so it's shorter seasons in some respects, longer seasons in some others. But, uh, but yeah, Kidding and Candy Store is right. Like, it, it, it amazes me to, to no end to see the stuff that's coming through here. So uh, tell us how you landed at Clyde Coburn. Ah. Um, so at... The steakhouse, I was miserable. I was, I was, I was hating my life at that point because, you know, at, at, no matter what you did, um, the owners and 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 the people would just like would would fight fight out, you know, just very resistant to a lot of change. <clears throat> well, it's a steakhouse too. They're usually steeped in tradition. Yeah, and there's they were severely steeped in tradition. I, I managed to break that up, you know, and and we actually from going from zero to no, not knowing who who that steakhouse was, we became you know. Top three. What steak? Uh, Benny's Chop House was, uh, was oh, the name of the Benny's. name of the place. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, going from from not no recognition to being third at best in the city, I feel like I did something right. You know, that's uh, that's pretty cool but, for the Midwest and Chicago. Where, yeah, but at the end know, of the day, I, I still hear from people that you really haven't tasted beef until you've had it in 
in the Midwest. In, in the Midwest, yeah, it's true. Cindy at the Happy Hour Guidebook, I, she's always telling me that. <laughs> it's it's a true statement though, but um, you know, I I reached out to a lot of a lot of my peeps, you know, a lot of people that I know, um, and just asked asking around because I, I I was at a loss. I was at that point where I actually was kind of burning myself out. I was like, you know what? What am I gonna do? You know, I could go back to a restaurant, be a sous chef somewhere in Chicago, which would have been fine. But having a kid at the time, it was like, okay, that means my wife would have to get, you know, get a, get a job again at this at this very period of time where it was in our interest for her to stay with with Rishi. So we're just like, oh man, I I, I didn't know what to do. Um, funny thing was, so I reached out to uh, Peter Cho and April Bloomfield uh, out in New York. I, I I became you know friends with those guys. Because uh, we did a book dinner in Chicago at Perennial, and and we just hit it off, and I went to go visit them in New York and all that fun stuff. But anyway, um, I imagine you hit it off with a lot of people. You're very easy, <laughs> right off the bat. In the first thirty seconds, I met you. I said, I like this guy. I He's hope so. Cool. You know, I try not to be an asshole to everybody. Sorry if I can't swear. I'm not. No, no <laughs> podcast, man. You can say whatever you want. Sweet, Get it all man. out. You can do the seven. <laughs> you can do the seven uh, George Carlin seven dirty words if you want. Done and done. No. But uh, no, and. Uh, I got a, it was out of the blue, actually. I got a text message. Just as, I was in the middle of service at the steakhouse. I was expediting. I got a text message. I pull out my phone. I see Peter, because <clears throat> we had talked about me moving to Portland at one point. And he goes, hey, are you still looking to move to Portland? It's like, yeah. That was a nice text to get in the yeah. middle, pro- probably a miserable night. Exactly. And I was like, yeah. It's like, all right, I'll hook you up. So he uh, he emailed myself and Nate, put you know put me in touch with Nate, and uh we took it from there. I came out. He, uh, Nate flew me out in October. We interviewed. Nate Tilden, by the way. Nate Tilden, yeah. Uh, Nate Tilden, owner of Clyde Common and many other things. Olympia Provisions. Olympia Provisions, yes. Um, but uh, he flew me out, and I, I sat with him. It was it was a hilarious interview. I'm sure he's going to kill me telling the story, but it's Nate. Um, I said, I, I came in. I stodged in the kitchen with Chris, who was still there at the time. Chris Domino, who was a chef um, who was leaving. He's doing some cool things. There. He's doing some great things over at uh, over at Chris King, which is which is pretty awesome. But he flew me out. I stodged in the kitchen, hung out a little bit. And uh, Nate was like, well, this is going to be weird because my friends are in town. Why don't you sit and have dinner with us? So I was like, all right. So I sat and had dinner with those guys in uh, in the, in the at Clyde. And then uh, as, as per uh, Nate... Uh, he's like, all right, we're, we're going out after. We're going to Sassy's. I was like, okay, 24 hours that I'm here, right? <laughs> so we go to Sassy's, and I'm like, is this part of my interview process? Because this is awesome. <laughs> you know? But um, no, we, we, we hit it off. And um, and from there, it, it kind of introduced myself to Nate and, you know, and vice versa. And Sassy's. And Sassy's. Fantastic place, by the way. <laughs> um, but it ended up being one of those things where, you know, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is perfect. But um, but perfection never really happens. Um, one of his two chefs left. So something happened. Um, and, I'm and you know, uh, Johnny Leach was hired on as the executive chef. Uh, solid guy. Solid cook. Um, was this, a, this is after you met with Nate? This right? is after I met with Nate because uh, it came down to, to a couple, you know, a few candidates. And, and Johnny was, was one, of, one, one of the, you know, top candidates for the job. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he was living here and it was fantastic. So he got the job. I was like, great. Now what the hell am I gonna no, do? You were, no, you weren't really like great. Oh, you I was were... like, yeah, I, I was <laughs> I was pretty bummed. Uh, but you know, I was like, well, kudos to him. Keep my search going. Um, but then I got an email from Nate about you know uh, two weeks later, and he's like, hey man, I really liked you. 
I could bring you on as a sous chef to at least get your foot in Portland because you want to be here in Portland so bad. I'll get your foot in the door, and then if anything opens up anywhere else, you know. And by the way, yeah, yeah. anywhere else. Anywhere so else. Just getting your foot in the door in Portland yeah. is a good way to go. Exactly. And Nate, Nate's such a cool guy. He's very... He's, I have never met Nate. I've. Are you serious? No. I've. I've you all, man I've, about I've, town, and you've never met Nate till No, then? and I've met... I've done a, a events and lots with uh, Olympia when it was Olympic provisions, <laughs> and, I, and I know Michelle and... Uh, and Eli, but I've never, I've never met Nate. Uh, you got to meet the 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 enigma that is Nate Tilden. He's. I need to. I really want to. Actually, we should. Just, yeah. He's well, got a lot going on. He should be. Yeah, we'll on the figure show. it out. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, he, he brought me on as sous chef, and and you know, events happened, and next thing you know, he's like, hey, do, do you do you think you could run this place? I was like, let's do it, and it was a whirlwind from there. There was actually. Uh, I think two or three weeks before feast opening party last year. Okay. So I was like, well, shit, I got to come up with a, with a menu and so, do this. <laughs> so let me ask you, when you said, when he asked you if you could run this place and you said, let's do it, did you, in your mind, think you really could at that yeah. time? Oh, yeah. Or, okay. I, I was, I was, conf- I was confident in my ability of, of, of being able to run a kitchen. It was, um, you know, from, from, you know, you, you, you build up your experience and you hit this point where you're like, you know what? I can do this. You become confident. And is it is it an animal? Is it easy? No. Not by any means. Is it a beast? No. But I'm still confident in my abilities to to, to kind of execute, you know. And, but it's it's it still takes time. It's do you, do you further think that when you think you can do it, you can do it better than a lot of people you worked for? Uh, is that part of it? Because that's part of, I think, part of the uh, gaining uh, confidence in anything is to see other people do it and think you can do it better. You don't want to just think you yeah. can do oh, it yeah. as good as them. It's like but, that song, right? You know, anything you can do, I can do better, right? Are you going to sing? No, not, not today. You should, that, that's partially why I lost my voice because I had to do some karaoke. And what that's, did you say? What, what, what oh. did you lose your voice singing? I believe it was sexual healing was the, was the first oh. salvo that flew out there. Come on, we need just, <laughs> just a little bit. Just come on. Oh, uh, uh, and end of the end of the segment. End of the segment. We'll pull it off. Okay. <laughs> Remind me. Uh, no, I was actually hanging out with um with uh, two lovely individuals who have been filming us, Kelly and Lucas, uh, of Original Fair, and uh, you know they were like, "Let's film at a karaoke bar." I was like, "Okay, let's do it." <laughs> Awkward. So it's on tape somewhere. It's yeah. <laughs> or- or in a file. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe I'll mention it now. We're doing a Portland Food Adventures event with we you. Are? June 25th. Yes, we are. June 25th. Clyde Common. Maybe you can do a little singing there. Maybe we should there. do a karaoke. There you it's go. It's an Ace Cleaners. Yeah, right? that fantastic. That would be kind of cool. We'll get a little projector. We'll get, I'll get... I've only done karaoke once. And well, one, everybody looks like it's going to be twice. <laughs> it would have to be at the end of the meal, though, because everybody would be walking out beforehand. <laughs> I mean, you both. Jesus. But... Uh, but that's going to be, a, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a So fun. am I. You know, I actually am I'm pretty excited about it. I've been thinking about it for these past couple of weeks because it's, uh, it's an opportunity to kind of showcase uh, what I'm really passionate about is, is Filipino food um, and showcase that. Because, you know, Clyde Commons is very, you know, it's its own animal. It's its own entity. And I, I personally would, you know, I, I try to put little inflections of Filipino food on there, but I'm never going to revamp. They're like, oh, Clyde Common. Welcome to Clyde Common, the, the Filipino, Filipino restaurant. No. Um, someday down the line, but but at Clyde, it it gets me to you know to that point where I need to be creating opportunities like our dinner, um, and at that dinner, I'll be able to focus solely on on Filipino food. 
So do you do that? Uh, you do a lot of events. I know that you you know you did you hosted the feast <clears throat> the feast lunch party, which is a big deal. I did. And I there's did. a lot of pressure on you to host that sort of event. Those are. Those are all food people who you you know you can't bullshit. Yeah, it has to be good. Right? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where with, with the larger events like the feast opening party, it's like go big or go home. And it's so funny if you if you ever kind of if you're ever a fly on the wall in our conversations with Nate, it's actually a very simple conversation. It was it's like okay, what are we gonna do this year? It's like okay, last year we did the whole splayed goat. We we roasted a whole goat, splayed it out. You know, balls of the walls, like cold, like shrimp, shrimp cocktail. And this is just shooters. not long after you were started there. So yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't long you after. Didn't even know, you didn't know anybody. No, absolutely not. And actually, I think that was to my advantage because, it, in all honesty, it was less pressure. It was one of those things where, you know what, I'm just going to cook, try to cook good food, which is kind of my approach to, to everyday cooking. It's, it's now I'm just going to try to cook food that tastes delicious and, and, and hopefully people like it. And if they don't, well, I'm sorry. What else am I going to do? I'm not going to try to please a single individual, you know. I'm well, just we had we just had that discussion with Tyler. He was here from Salt and Straw. How do you you can't necessarily please everybody, so you have to start with yourself and hope. Yeah, that and, and, and your hope, palate is exactly, and 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 hope that that you know what you're doing. I love Salt and Straw, you know, and I love what they're doing, and it's some of the wonky flavors that I like because it's very unique. It's different. They're doing something completely different, you know. But with those flavors, there are people who absolutely people are going to be yeah. just at the look of them, reading the menu. They're they're not going to try it. Taylor Swift, right? Haters going to hate. What's up? <laughs> you know, I don't know. You keep going around to this. You're going to be singing <laughs> by the end of this podcast. Who knows? There are no shots of tequila lined up yet. So <laughs> not... remember, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, you know, you have to look within yourself. You have to look within yourself as a cook, as a person. Um, and be confident in your own abilities before, you know, you have to make yourself happy before you can make anyone else happy. Because if you're a miserable person, you're going to serve out miserable food. And I wholeheartedly believe that your emotions and your, your passion are reflected in your food. If you're having a bad day, you're going to taste with, it. with almost anything uh, yeah. beyond food. Yeah, this is true. I mean, food's all I know. I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, when did you start with food? Gosh. Speaking of, that's all you know. I mean, uh, professionally, I started. Uh, you know, I started working professionally here in the U.S. as soon as I got back, just two thousand and one. But you know, so how you were back and forth from the Philippines uh, to right, right. U.S. your childhood or quick life story, I guess. Well, this is easy. It's a, I've I practiced it so many so many times. Um, I was born in the Philippines, and as a baby, uh, I think around nine months. I think my mom said uh, we moved to Canada. I was there for three years. Then we moved to Michigan. And that's kind of where I really grew up. I've been a Canadian citizen all my life up until a few years ago when I finally committed to the to the lovely country that is the United States. You'd be getting a lot better health care if you stick with, stuck with the... Uh, you know, let's... Uh, <laughs> politics aside. Um, uh, moved to, moved to, to Michigan, stayed there, grew up there, and that at 11, um, my three siblings and myself, you know, myself and my two siblings moved back to the Philippines, and we stayed there for about nine years. And... Um, I've always been surrounded by, surrounded by food. You know, my dad, my mom, amazing cooks. Um, my brother and my sister are great cooks in their own right, you know. Do they do it professionally? No, not at all. <laughs> they're the smart ones. Yeah. They're, all, they're all in the medical field. I'm the black sheep of the family. Um, but no, I, I uh, my sister actually is the one who, who got me really interested in food. You know, she would read cookbooks and, and you know, bake and, 
you know, like, oh, let's try this recipe. And she taught me how to use a knife, like fold your fingers in, you know, all that fun stuff. And it kind of, you know, that's when the bug really hit me, you know, and watching my dad cook all the time and, and his brothers and sisters, we would all get together, slot, you know, we'd slaughter whole animals for like big, big family, you know, get togethers and stuff like that. But um, I f- tried to figure out how to do it professionally. And I came back to the States and I enrolled in a, a small culinary school in Michigan, um, Macomb Culinary Institute or Macomb Culinary uh, Community College. Um, they had a culinary program. So I did that uh, and worked at the same time at, at some great, great places. Um, and then I kind of wanted to learn more. So I went back to school in 2000 and gosh, 2007, New Year's 2007. I went to the CIA out in New York. Um, and worked at worked at some great places, and then landed in Chicago after graduating. So it was pretty cool. So uh, Chicago feels a little bit Midwest, a little bit like Detroit. But do you get back to Detroit to see what's going on there? You know what the, the the cool part about Detroit is when when I was there going to school, I had discovered quite a bit about Detroit, and and I still love it. Like you know, we just recently sold the the house that we grew up in that my mom lived in for like twenty eight years, something like that. It's, you know, it, it's bittersweet because knowing that, you know, I still have family back there, but knowing that I don't have a direct, you know, an immediate family member Your to go home to. Your roots aren't there any longer. Yeah, they, they've been uprooted, if you will, and moved, and they're start slowly moving out west. My brother's in California, my sister's up in Washington, um, and I'm I'm down here, so my mom's planning to move out here now at the end of the year. But um, but Detroit has an amazing scene. Um. I imagine that Detroit, because I didn't know Portland ten years ago. Right. But from what I'm, I'm hearing the stories of Portland of you know, of the old days. That's what Detroit is becoming right now, and it's now it's on that, that that up going back coming back up. And uh, I would imagine that, excuse me, they need to adopt that the collaborative community spirit that exactly. Portland has because that's what they have. They need it. Right. They, they need, need it. it. They don't there isn't there aren't gonna be huge investments in restaurants. No, there, there aren't. But the cool thing is that because of property, you know, things have been dropping so low in price, like a lot of younger people are now pursuing their dreams in that area of the of, of the United States because it is cheaper, just like Portland was. Now Port it's insane. Portland's, you know, all Where'd, the prices are jacked up. But in Detroit You, you can know, no longer say this is we're we talk about it mm-hmm. and it still is less expensive. Uh, in relation to other West Coast cities, True. but it's no longer the cheap place to get your footing when you have no money. Exactly, and 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 that's what Detroit is becoming now. I mean, there you see some amazing, amazing stuff coming out from Detroit now. You know, chefs from from New York who are from Detroit are moving back. Guns and Butter is a great one. Um, there, God, what were the other ones? I forgot all the names. My sister, um, she's a recent transplant to Washington, but she's telling me all these new microbreweries open up. I have friends who are, who are brewers out there anyway, and the God food scene's becoming amazing. So there are a lot of people going back. You see the the coffee shops, the urban farms are now taking over. You know some smaller restaurants, pop ups. They're all going out out there to do it, and they're capable of doing it. I wonder if we're going to see some Portland people going that way. Um, I think you're going to see some Michigan natives that have transplanted to uh to or to Portland go back. Yeah. I think personally. Um, the but, Times just had a big article about Detroit's food scene and creative culture. How, yeah, uh, how it's doing so well and it's rebuilding. Exactly, so for, and, and and that 
a, the economy of Detroit depends on that. It, it does. It really does. Just like just like any place else, you know, it's it's kind of that ebb and flow of of how things work, right? Um, but uh, you know, I have I have quite a few friends who are still out there, you know, fighting the good fight. Uh, you know, I got a couple artist friends that are out there. Um, a lot of great, you know, chef friends who are still who are still kicking it over there, and and doing some great things. But um, but again, it's, it's still hard because again, you're still in Michigan, you're still in the Midwest, and you're still stuck. Um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, people wise up a little bit over there. So, um, a lot of your relationships with farms and so forth here, were they adopted when you started with Clyde Common? Have you developed some of your own relationships? You know, that that's a funny thing. I have. Um, you know, when I walked in, Chris. So Chris Domino, <clears throat> it, the funniest thing is I. I was his intern at Blue Hill at Stone Barnes for a brief period, so I knew him from from a little ways back. But when I moved here, uh, you know, we we're like Chris. He's like, "Oh my God, Carlo, what's going on? Like, what are you doing here?" He's like, "Well, here we are, full circle, right?" But um, but anyway, uh, he did a great job in developing a lot of great relationships with farmers, and um, I try to carry that uh, along, you know, kind of carry that torch, if you will. Um, some of the relationships relationships have gone to the wayside just because it's you know their their relationship was directly with chris so i was like well you know x y and z you know some things kind of petered out and i created some new relationships i think the coolest thing that happened um and this is very a very portland story is that my kid uh rishi goes to daycare um fantastic daycare and just so happens her husband's a farmer so i was like i'd just love to go check it out you know um, so we went up to their farm, which was only 20 minutes away, um, called Little Gnome Farm. And, um, G-N-O-M-E. G-N-O-M-E, yeah. Um, and we went out there, and I loved it. It's, it's just one guy, Farmer Paul, five acres of land. And, and he has he has more more acreage, but, you know, he only farms on five. And that's all he does. It's, it's just him, you know, working in the fields. And his daughters help out every once in a while, and his wife. But it's just, it, this is his passion project. You know, he just did CSAs at first, and he's like, you know what? It's so hard going from farmer's market to farmer's market. And I said last year, I said, well, what the hell? If if you grow for us, we'll buy directly from you, and we'll get the majority from you. And he said, fantastic. So at the time, you know, I was buying That's a nice product for him to have. It was it was great because you know, and and him and I had talked about it quite often. Every I go there every week now. Uh, now that the growing season is in full swing, and I bring some of the cooks out with us, and 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 we go we go harvest, go help them, because it's the least that we can do for someone who's who's putting their whole passion into this farm, their heart and soul into this place. We want to make sure that we're doing it justice. Um, so we actually sat uh, over the winter about the growing seasons. Um, you know what 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 can you do for us? And you know, and we talked about his planting and and what he's gonna what he's gonna plant, and he's basically exclusively almost exclusively growing for us and it's fantastic because i don't the problem with the farms here that i'm finding is that oftentimes your products running out because everybody's using them right all the great restaurants here are using all these phenomenal farms but then if you're not in you know if you're not like i said being the new kids tough i don't have that relationship with them you know i don't have the first dibs relationship if you will because that you know no matter what anybody says it's there Yes, but Clyde Common is a very significant restaurant in Portland. So Clyde that Common does, is that, that's got a wheel some clout. Kinda, but not but, that you don't. But no, no, you're, you're, no. You know, you're, <clears throat> that's very true. But at the end of the day, it's it really is the the relationship, the personal relationship of 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 the chef and the farmer. Because Clyde Common does wheel a lot of clout, but it, but if you're an asshole, they don't want to deal with you. Then why the hell are they going to sell to you, right? 
Um, so a lot of the relationships have been, you know, kind of come and gone. But again, I'm I'm rebuilding those relationships with farms now that I know that I, I meet in person. I like to help the, the smaller places because I, I know I know how it feels to be the smaller guy. Right. To be both like physically and 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 being the new kid on the block. So I try to help everybody that that um, that has the smaller farms that that is just starting off that is trying to break into that scene because it's. You know these larger farms. They're they're now. It's like flexing. It's like okay, you know this is my this is what I grow. It's like well, what about these smaller farms that are trying? So that's that's who I am. That's how I try to do it. And most of them started small anyway, and it was exactly. relationships with people like you that helped them grow. So why not give those opportunities at at a place like Clyde Common to the people who need to grow a little bit more? So you've got a you, you've got you've got Portland in your veins. You can tell. <laughs> well, just your. Yeah. From what you just described and how you think and how you deal with people, I think that's part of what you drew you out here was uh, was yeah. that because you could have just as easily been drawn to New York if you were a Type A personality. Yeah, or, I'm not. I'm definitely not a Type A type of guy. You know, I'm not. I've I've learned not to be. I, I mean, I used to be. If you had known me before, I was definitely. Uh, it, it's just funny the development as a chef over the years, right? As a cook, for that matter. I used to yell. I used to be an asshole. I used to be the guy who would be like, "Get all up on your shit." But nowadays, I just it's it takes too much energy, uh, to to do that. It takes more energy to do that than it is to say, "Hey, man, you fucked up. This is what this is what we can do. Let's fix this together, and don't don't let it happen again." By the way, do you think? And I may be professing ignorance by asking this question, but do you think that asshole in the kitchen vibe would would uh, work in Portland? I don't think it'd be reacted to. You'd have employees very long. I don't. I, don't I know. Th- I've heard that there are some chefs that are like that here. Uh, there are. They yeah. don't act like that to me, but I've heard in the kitchen they may be. But, yeah, uh, you know, and and I think I think it's it's a uh, it's two sides of the same coin, right? It's you're either going to be the asshole, or you're going to be the nice guy. Um, what I think is yeah, there are, there are some asshole chefs, and it does it does thrive? Some people really thrive on that and and learn better from that, which is weird. Um, I, I personally have experienced both ends of the spectrum. I'm fine. Like if I deal with an asshole your, chef, great. Your ego wasn't crushed under that kind of chef? Yeah, no, not really. It, it I just made me work harder. It really did. Um, it made me become better because I wanted to be better than that person and become a better person um yeah, out of it. Uh that's a nice lesson to take from that. I guess, yeah. Uh, um, business thing, but this is how <laughs> humans would should be. Well, the the one of the owners, uh, Michael, I think it was Michael Canlis over at Canlis in Seattle. He um he said it great in his speech, and I, I I can't quote him perfectly, but he was like, you know, at the end of the day, what's your legacy? Are you are you gonna be? Are your cooks gonna be like, okay, I work for that guy, but I never want to be like him, or are they gonna be like, man, I learned so much, I want to be like him, I I want to to carry on that same torch. And that's what I did. You know, I worked under some great chefs. Um, my last chef that I worked for, Paul Veron, he's the one who really showed me how to do things like in my personality, who developed my personality as a cook. He never, he rarely ever yelled. He's a super nice guy. He, he will tell you straight up, hey, you fucked up, but let's fix this. All right, let's do this together. And th- that's how I became. And, and he told me the same story. He's like, I used to be a yeller. I used to be a dick in the kitchen because that's how my chef was. 
So I had to be that way. And that's how I was before. Or his father. Yeah, or, or his father, most likely. But actually, his father's super nice. But, but no, but that's yeah. where that comes from. Yeah, too. that, that it, figurehead, right? It it's, that, it's that figure, that figure that you're following at that point in time. Um, and and I, I look to him as one of my major mentors. And he was never like that in the kitchen. So I never became like that in the kitchen after that. And is it hard? Yeah. Do I think the, the cooks need some yelling at sometimes? Yeah, for sure. I, I, it's a different breed out here. It's it's very interesting, but um, I think that there has to be a balance between between being um, nurturing and being very stern. You know, I think you have to find that balance, and I'm still trying to find that ultimate balance where I don't I don't want to have to yell at somebody, but if I have to, I will. You know, if I have to put them in the in their place, which is so funny it, it, here in Portland, it's a little different. Like the breed of cook is a little bit more um, sensitive. Yes. That's a good good way to put it. Sensitive. I, I'm gonna use that. So you have to be a little more aware of that. So you do. Um, so you've been in Portland for a year, uh, year and a half. Year and some odd months now. Yeah. I think year and a half now. So what has been the best surprise for you about this city? Not necessarily the food scene or Oregon. What what has been? Oh man. Because um, I had so many that you can't know moving yeah, here, well, and then yeah. all of a sudden you discover these things and you're just falling in love. And that that's the best part about moving here and i am i am discovering a lot of those things and falling in love like um just the other day uh i i went for for a run in the morning at 5 30 in the morning i woke up for a run with a buddy of mine and um and i was like well shit i still got some time to kill i went for a hike after i was like and i still made it to work like before before 11 i was like this is nuts the fact that you can go for a hike that the fact that you can just drive an hour to a mountain the fact that you can drive or, an hour and a half to the 10 coast. 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or 10 minutes just to go do a gorgeous hike. And it, it, that constantly blows my mind. That still blows my mind. The fact that I can do all these things and it's just a hop, skip, and a jump away within the city or or even driving out. Because in Chicago, you want to go for a hike? You want to go to a lake? You know, a decent lake that's secluded, not in the city? You got to drive two hours. You got to drive two hours just to go raspberry picking. Shit, I just drove 20 minutes to Salvia Island yesterday to go you know, strawberry picking with my kid. I would never have been able to give these opportunities to my son if I lived in Chicago. It would have been different, you know? But I think it still it still amazes me. It's and, still awesome. And then I would have to imagine that food-wise, you have a lot of experiences that you say, because I do. I do, yeah. Wow, I just love being here. You know, it's not only the food itself, but it's the experience of sitting at a Chef's counter or a bar, yeah, and hanging exactly. out with doesn't have to be a chef, doesn't? No, it doesn't. Just, yeah. just it's a whole different community. I've had so many experiences. I'm sure you have sitting with someone, and you're next thing you know, you're sharing bites. You yeah, know, it's like, hey, that. try this. Hey, you know, and uh, you know, in all honesty, that that's that's why why I love about Chicago too is because it's the same thing. Um, I've had some great experiences in Chicago that reflect uh, the same way that it does here, like in the in a sense of community. Um, but but it's a little different here. It's different. You know, I'm a little bit more critical now about food than I ever have been. Um, and and here in Portland, it's still trying to get out there and experience everything. Having a kid, like in in Chicago, I discovered everything before Rishi. So I would go out late nights mm-hmm. with my wife, my then you know then girlfriend, now wife, um, or with friends after work. We knew where to go, late night places, whatever, to eat food, to really experience everything. Um, here it's taking me a little bit slower. Because, you know, I still haven't hit up the places I want to go to because we have a little one at home. And you're busy, too. Yeah. So the busy. best way to ask this question, then, because we talked a little bit about the neighborhood. But yeah. uh, so your friends from Chicago come in from out of town. Yep. Can you tell me a half dozen places you tell them oh. they have to go? Easily. 
Easily. Pips Donuts, for sure. That's where I would start because it's close to my house. Okay. I love Pips. I will crush that place. Got to have them right. You got to have them in there. They're yeah, even that much yeah, better. Yeah. They're way better when you get it just right out of the fryer. Exactly. Right. Have a little cup of chai. Have some donuts. Fantastic. And there's some really good folks over there. Everybody's friendly. It's amazing. Yeah. Nate, uh, you know, both of them. They're they're just amazing people. He's busy. He's a busy guy. We've been trying to get him on the podcast. And yeah, he's a busy dude. We're gonna man. get him on soon. Actually, him and his wife came out to uh, came out to eat at uh, Clyde the other day, and uh, you know, I just I, I invited him. I was like, I want you to come eat at Clyde on me, because I love your place so much, and it's amazing community, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, for sure, Pips. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, for sure, Pips Nongs, common guy. I love that place, and I love her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's. It's one of those things where simplicity, whew, she crushes it. She she that exemplifies exactly, exactly the success of that. Um, for a fine dining experience, you know, if they want to go to a uh, kind of fancy restaurant, obviously, you know, the staples, Lee Pidge, uh, you know, Gabe Gabe still blows my. I, I it was one of the first places I ate when I came to Portland, um, to visit, and it blew my mind because it's not just not just because how amazing his food is, but just how, just the culture in, in, inside that kitchen. It's pretty awesome, um. I love Atala. You know, Jose and Christina are, are phenomenal people. I still have yet to eat there, but I would send people there because I know. Right? <laughs> and, but but that's the thing, though. You meet based off the, their personalities alone, and from what I've tasted, the small bites that I've tasted, like during events and stuff, it's amazing. Well, plus he's a he's a very personable guy, and yeah. the experience there with everybody at that restaurant it's a it's a cool place. So you need to get there. It's not just yeah. The food. I soon. I think that's where. Yeah. And have you been? And you need to get to Christina's doing her pop ups now. I right? know the the, Patria. the Patria, Yeah, I have a, a friend of mine, uh, one of my sous chefs, Roberto. He's a, he's Puerto Rican, so he's he's like, we gotta go. I'm like, I've okay, been to a couple of them. And they're really special. Yeah, we're go- we'll, we're gonna definitely hit that place up. Um, but yeah, I love those places. Uh, reel them in. I send people to reel them in all the time. Fried chicken, amazing. Uh, Noroneco for sure, just because of that late is one of the few late night places, which actually blows my mind, by the way. That there is few and far in between phenomenal late night places here, you know, and and it's it, not a late night city. I was like, damn it! Where's Even my, the food yeah. carts, you know, just that yeah. one pod, they're open. But yeah, it's, but but like I feel like late night is is one of the things that we need that needs to be grasped here in Portland because even if it's just a small late night place, you know, like Noroneco, it's amazing that it's not packed by by cooks and chefs and stuff like that. But you know, at, at the time that I'm going, like at midnight. Now I'm hungry, but but um no those are those are some great places that I usually like to hit up. It's a good list. A couple of them are part of the Portland Food Adventures thing too. Yeah, so for sure. That's awesome. I mean, um, Olympia provisions, obviously. Yes, great for you brunch. You can't miss that. Gotta, <laughs> Nate would kill me if I did. No, I'm just joking. But no, uh, Olympia provisions. I I love their stuff. I love what they do there. Uh, Alex Yoder and Eli do a phenomenal job at cooking. I mean. Eli's more known for his charcuterie, but I think he's a phenomenal chef in his own right. Yeah, you know, I went to a, a feast dinner there, one of the oh yeah, one of the special dinners that they have during feast. Yeah, and uh, Paul Kahn come, came PK. out, and Adam, and I got to tell you, the best and no no disrespect to any of those chefs, but the best dishes that night were the ones Eli was putting out. Yeah, and for Alex. Sure. So yeah, Eli and Alex, like I said, are amazing. Yeah, it's funny. PK Paul Kahn is uh he was my chef's one of my chef's mentors, Paul Verance. Mm-hmm. That's kind of so it's that lineage, right? PK PV. He's a he's uh does phenomenal job. He's got some great restaurants, but I th- just the yeah. nicest guy. He was so oh, so yeah. nice. Again, huh? it's a, it's a reflection, right? It's it's he's he used to be a yeller, but now <coughs> Excuse me. 
now he's just he's a really chill dude. I stopped in uh, Chicago on my train trip across the country. Amazing. And, uh, so I went to a friend's house the night the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup last year. Oh, man. Was that last year? Time flies. Yeah. And, uh, and had lunch at Blackbird and then got on the train back to Portland. Blackbird. It's pretty cool. It's an experience, man. It's cool. So that's something you should do. The other thing that everyone needs to do is Clyde Common. I would love if it people is, came in. It's yeah. a great, I, it's a fantastic restaurant. It also uh, embodies Portland because of it is it is the consummate uh, communal dining experience. Cocktails are fantastic. Everything's great about it. In addition to you, Carlo. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks so much for coming in. I appreciate, appreciate you it. having me. I'm excited. To, looking forward to our dinner on June 25th. There you go. Thank you. Portland Food Adventures. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Ristretto Roasters. With five locations throughout Portland, Ristretto Roasters offers some of the finest locally roasted coffee in the city with gorgeous environments and service with big smiles. Let Ristretto make your day better with a cup or two of great coffee or beans to go. And by Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupans Markets. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.